Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh my, it has been a while, but let me tell you, we have so much quack with us. Thanks for uh, putting up with the break. I'm Rusty. That's Sean. Welcome back to Hamsterdam. It's good to be back. Feels right. <laughs> Feels right. Feels right. We haven't done this in a while. Like, we still have the spring game to talk about. Mm-hmm. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. Uh, the spring game. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, the spring game. We're going to talk about a little bit of recruiting. Uh, hit up some track and field because Oregon is a track and field school, first and foremost. Um and then just the tangents that come along with those topics. So, with that being said, the Oregon spring game, what is your initial thought? Like, what is your first reaction before we get into some more specifics? Uh, my first reaction is, as much as I always say, hey, we brought in a transfer quarterback, that's going to be our guys, let's not pretend that there's going to be a competition, might actually be a competition. And that was, that was nice seeing, like, actually two quarterbacks that, you know, it, it was nice actually seeing a transfer quarterback in the spring game this year compared to last. Yeah, that's one of the things that really stuck out to me. Um, I think it's also important to note uh, that this is basically just a glorified practice. Yeah. For everybody who's listening, this is a glorified practice, and we're just completely overanalyzing this. But uh, it's May right now. So what are you going to do? Um, I was pleasantly surprised with Travis Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked good. He made, like, one interception, but it was, like, he looked good, like, the rest of the time. It's so tough, because we had Marcus Mariota, who was just perfect in every way, shape, and form. And so whenever anyone throws a pick now, I'm like, what an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> you are an awful quarterback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, what is this? Our, you didn't throw 80%? The, the bar has just been set so high for so long now that... It's going to take years before we, our expectations come back down to reality. Recalibrated to what mortals do. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, yeah. And luckily, luckily, no quarterback from now on is going to be like the next Marcus Mariota. It's like we peaked. Like, we peaked. He's one of the best players <laughs> in college football history. Like, it's fine. Like, no one's, like, uh, Dennis Dixon, the tragic hero. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all waiting for the next Dennis Dixon. So, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of points to take away. So, uh, yeah, going, let's start off with the quarterback stuff. Uh, Dakota Prukop, is that how you say his name? Prukop? Yeah. We're going to go with it. I actually haven't ever, not going to lie, I've never even heard his name actually pronounced. So we're going to go with that. Yeah. It's, uh. 
As always, we 20, do our homework here. Yeah, he went 20 of 29, had a couple of touchdown tosses. Uh, he was... Uh, he didn't shock me with anything, but that's because he just kept hitting check down passes. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, it's a spring game. Uh, based off Rob Moses' practice reports, which... <laughs> Uh, I enjoy it. Just, well. just for the record, I enjoy All as well. <laughs> Not everyone on this website is super psyched about it, but I enjoy them. Um, uh, he was saying how uh, Prukop made like a lot of plays, and so it was kind of surprising when we just saw him making like dunk pass after dunk pass after dunk pass. Just dumping it off. So, um, on the bright side, Royce Freeman and is fantastic as I mean what we already knew then. Charles Nelson. What has gotten into this guy? <laughs> it's crazy. What what are, what are your comments on uh Charles? Because I've just been talking for a while. Yeah, I mean I would say you know with uh, with Charles Nelson he's an he's an incredibly talented athlete and he's he was playing two ways before he's now going to just he's going to one side of the ball right he is just playing offense now yeah i think that's always um it's always a little better when you know you can kind of hone in and focus on one position um i it just it blows my mind that there's like college athletes who play two sides of the ball. I mean, just in like such a physical game like football and how much it takes out of you. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually get to watch really any of the spring game cause I work oh. retail and we, we work on Saturdays and Sundays. Sad football panda. does not, football does not exist in our world. Sad um, panda. yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I'm that. That's really all I can say. I, I mean, I can't really speak to him specifically, but I can speak to. I I like. I like it when people are kind of more honed in and focused on one position rather than having to worry about playing two sides of the ball. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's it's. Uh, they're like, oh, they're very confident in the defensive back, so they move Charles Nelson to receiver. It's like that happened last year. Yeah, we already heard that. Except, I believe them this time, or I want to believe at least, uh, because the defensive backs last year, most improved unit, were the bright spot for a lot of, for like the entire second half of the season. Like against USC, they were just spectacular. Against mm-hmm. Cal, Arian Springs had a day. Like uh, against Stanford, Ugo Amadi. No, against USC, Ugo Amadi. Had some amazing tackles. And then there was like the Stanford game, which was spectacular. Um, so, and I think the high turnover at linebacker might be a positive. Um, I think Tyson Coleman was fantastic. Um, there, were, there were a couple really good guys that I liked, but I think the unit as a whole might be greatly improved this year with this group of guys having an extra year under their belt. 
Yeah, it'll definitely be, I mean, anything after, really anything after the defense's performance last year is going to, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, that so. is that is literally true. We're not just metaphorically. There's literally nowhere to go but up. Right. It's uh, it's it was absolutely it was absolutely amazing at times in mm. the worst way possible. So, but the good news is Brady Hoke, wherever he's been, the defense has turned around from being absolutely atrocious to fantastic. Like Michigan went from just about as bad as Oregon was last year to uh, one of the top 10 defenses in the country. Such a huge positive. Huge yep. positive. Um, also, there's the new 4-3 defense where there's just like four down linemen at all times. There was a bunch of times where a defensive end dropped back, so it's not like it's a tried and true at all points. But I think the single gap assignments instead of the double gaps last year for anyone who actually cares about that type of stuff is going to be much better. And it's the line to be actually much more aggressive. Um, and that was really shown uh, by... Let me look this up. Um, there were... A, there was like at least four sacks. I think there might have been six sacks. Which is a huge improvement. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal in one game. Um, that also, though could be because the offensive line did not look spectacular at times. It's kind of difficult to really assess when you're like, oh, is is it the defensive line is really good or the offensive line is really bad? I think the defense... And when people are like, I think it's a mixture of both. It's like, get off the fence and give us some real analysis. Um, I think the defensive line is just working that much better with the new defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, although the offensive line definitely has room to grow. So, um, going back a little bit to the quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so official stats, Dakota Prukop went 20 of 29 for 190 yards and two touchdown passes. Um, Travis John, or Tra- Taylor Alley and Jeff Lockie lined up at receiver. Um, Travis, yeah, Travis Johnson went Travis Johnson went 15 of 24 for 188 yards. A touchdown pass, a touchdown run, but also threw an interception on his first drive. Um, and he also had a one near interception that the defender just dropped. So he could have thrown maybe three picks if the defense could have actually just caught passes. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know but, what they say about defen- defensive backs? Just wide receivers who can't catch the ball. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Darren Carrington was out. Uh, was open a lot. Not all the time, though. And he also did not catch a couple balls that should have he should have caught. So, but we already know what he can do. Like he's always open. He's always open. I just don't. I just don't understand it. Like I'm watching teams play him, and they just don't even like. It's like it's like he's not there. Yeah. It's like he's not there. Um, the guy who really stood out to me at receiver 
was this guy named Dylan Mitchell. Yeah, he had uh, he had two touchdowns, um, and they were both like thirty plus yard touchdowns. So, and he was he's pretty confident about it. I was reading a recap from the Register Garden. He said, he said, I make plays other guys usually can't make, which is as close right. as you can get to Cliff Harris going. My name is Cliff Harris. I'm here to lock <laughs> shit down. Yeah. It's like the most professional way of just saying, like, I'm the greatest. Yeah. I'm better than everyone on that field. Yeah, which I love. I love guys that come in and do that. It's like, it's a lot to put on yourself, but I love that stuff. I think it's great. I also love, like, the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s that just talked a ton of trash and (laughs) beat everybody. Yeah. Like, when. it's fine if you can back it up. Oh yeah, as long as you're winning, it's it's the best thing ever. Um, yeah, so Dylan Mitchell showed up early. Um, he graduated. He was in high school in the fall. Showed up for spring practices. He made the practice reports. Every it seemed like every single time he was making an amazing play. Mm-hmm. He bodied up Ugo Amadi and uh, Springs. Uh, he's like 6'2", just shy, or 6'1", 6'2", depends on whichever website you're reading, so it's most likely six foot. Uh, and he was bodying guys up, he was getting open, he was incredibly surprising. I, I was blown away by, by how well he did. So, and now with Farrell Brown back, which is amazing for many reasons... A, um, a medical miracle. Yeah. And so now we got three really good tight ends. I wouldn't say they're great. Farrell Brown might be great. Again, I don't know. We didn't see that a ton from him. Um, it's pretty much to be expected. Yeah. He looked good running routes. It didn't look like he was hindered at all. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a positive sign. It's really yeah. all you can ask for. Yeah. So uh, Bamunt and Bayless uh, are good. I mean, Munt had a tough time catching the ball last year. I remember off just off the top of my head. Um, but I think... And then on receiver, like we have like seven like receivers that I think could all be starting on other teams. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's like, what, what are you supposed to so do? So loaded. Yeah, it's almost like, just put Charles Nelson on defense. Yeah. Like, we have so many goddamn players. Excuse me. We have so many players on offense. Like... Pull an SEC. Take like one of your best players and just put them on defense. Like that that's that's what I get frustrated about sometimes. Just like, oh yeah, we got all these guys on offense. We'll just take this other guy who could kill it on defense where we're weak, and then he'll just be like another guy on offense. Mm-hmm. No, just let him wreck wreck stuff back. Like Charles Nelson played so well at safety, but then he's just like a, a football player. That type of that type of guy. Like you just put him anywhere and he'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, it's tough because the camera angles really sucked at times, and so it was tough to see like how the linebackers were moving around and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no glaring weaknesses. There was no really huge plays that there was no like really blown coverages. There were no like plays that were just blown up. Like Dylan Mitchell made a few fantastic plays deep. Um, Charles Nelson had a few like big plays, but that's Charles Nelson. Um, so 
like uh, there's Dylan Mitchell, Charles Nelson, Darren Carrington. Um, then there's Dwayne Stanford, Jalen Brown, Alex Ophidial, and then Devin Allen, who like didn't even play. And I'm probably forgetting a couple other people. Then at running back, there's uh, or Royce Freeman, who is a dark horse Heisman contender. It really need, Oregon really needs to be otherworldly on offense for him to win. Um, yeah, I mean the only way he the only way he wins a Heisman is if like they build their entire offense around him and uh-huh. you know and he's running for like 150 plus 200 yards a game and he, you know he like he had 1800 he had over 1800 yards last year for the Ducks mm-hmm. but like nobody knew it because the the thing with the Heisman is you're only going to win it if your team is good. Like, you know, if you have a, a mediocre team and you go to the Alamo Bowl or you go to some bowl that's not like either like the Rose Bowl or a college football playoff game, like you have no chance of winning the Heisman. There's one real exception to that rule in recent memory. Um, that was... Uh, let me look this up. That was Tim Tebow um, when he won the Heisman in 2007. Um, he was clearly one of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Like he probably was the most outstanding player in the country, but his team was not fantastic. Um, I think you can do it. I think you can do it as a quarterback if you have a decent team, uh-huh. but you just have like the most amazing individual season ever um but i think when you get outs like because the heisman is so heavily awarded to quarterbacks like that i think in order to like it's got to be this kind of like perfect storm of things for for freeman to win it yeah so it's yeah it's got to be like another one of those like 1800 2000 yard seasons and the Ducks are like at least in the college football playoff or the national championship game, or and he breaks like a couple huge plays. Yeah, because he's going against Leonard Fournette as a running back. There's Christian McCaffrey. Um, like those are two guys who are going to be like who are favorites. So he needs to beat both of them out, and you know McCaffrey is going to do that at Stanford because Stanford's offense is going to be entirely geared around getting him the ball. Yeah. Uh, LSU seems incapable of doing anything except running the football, so he's going to have a ton of stats. Um, okay, yeah, so I just looked up the 2017, which uh, Tim Tebow won the Heisman with. That was in 2007, where, like, it was like Game of Thrones Red Wedding. Like, everybody died. <laughs> like, everybody lost. And it was just, the, the, like, no number, I think number two, the team that was ranked number two, lost every week. For si- or last six weeks straight, Jesus. Um. So yeah, so that that year, Florida went nine and four, and lost to Michigan, um, in the Capital One Bowl in Lloyd Carr's last game, where right. basically Michigan ran a spread offense with Chad Henney yeah. and Mike Hart. Um. So. Oh oh. Yeah, so running back has Royce Freeman, 
Knight Benoit, who looks fantastic. Uh, Taj Griffin. Tony Brooks James. And then this other guy who showed up, Jarrett Lacoste. He looked fine. He was yeah. a big guy. He was a big guy. So, just got, he was like a bowling ball. Just kind of like ran through people. Like, if you didn't tackle him score on, he was just going to run through your tackle. So, it was a... Uh, it was promising. There were a lot of positives to take away. And I think if we can get... I think we can get, like, just a hair below great quarterback play. And we get a even average defense. I think this team would win the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If we have just good quarterback play and like average defense then I don't know if that's possible but I really have a hard time seeing this defense not be at least average yeah if it's if it's anything better than last year which isn't saying much then yeah I mean if we have an average defense the well that Utah game was just a Utah game um uh Ducks beat Washington State and then that means that Ducks would have gone to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, you and can pl- you can play a whole bunch of like, right? What ifs about last year, and really, if you just kind of make small tweaks here and there. But that, I mean, that's really what it's what football is all about. Is you're going to look back on the season and in those there's such a small margin of error in college football that if one or two drives goes wrong in your season, then like the entire season can fall apart. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um let's take a quick let's change directions really quickly. Um we got Pac-12 awards coming out. So, uh um the Devin Allen was named Men's track and track athlete of the year. Mm-hmm. Hannah Cunliffe was named women's track athlete of the year. Um, yeah, Allen just keeps keeps seeming to break his own records. Like every time I see him race, uh, he ran a thirteen point three two in the hundred and ten hurdles. He still has the NCAA record for fastest hurdle. Um, we're in the two hundred meter in twenty point eight eight. Like, this guy is ridiculous. He, I don't even know if he should be playing football. He absolutely should not. I've, I've said this before and I've said it again. Devin Allen has a professional future in track and field. He has no professional future in football. He, aggressive. If, I, I mean, maybe I, I, like, I'll probably take a more aggressive take on this than others would, yeah. others would being like a runner myself and like, right closely following the sport of track and field. Uh-huh. But I mean, when he's doing the things that he he's doing, like he's already succeeded at a professional national level, like winning USA track and field national championships in these races. Yeah. He's like, he can easily, you know, graduate from college, go sign a contract with Nike, go run the diamond league series, which is basically like, professional track and field like go run all these like international races get your endorsements like 
he can make a comfortable living off of that. And it's so much harder to like break into football and make a professional. Like if you're just comparing it, okay. If you're comparing the two professional tracks of should he keep playing Oregon football so he can like make a path toward the NFL or should he keep running track so he can make a path towards USA track and field and that professional, he like, he's already so, so far ahead of the game on the track that if I was him, I would just quit football cold Turkey and put all my focus into this. Yeah. If you can make money without getting hit, that's a pretty good way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Running's not a very spoiler alert people running's not a very, uh, it's not, a, not really a contact sport. <laughs> it's uh, take good care of yourself. Don't, don't suffer a freak injury and you'll know, probably be okay. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. If he, if he was like, yeah, I'm just going to play, I'm just going to focus, play track and field. I'm just going to focus on track and field. This warmer career is, I'd be like really bummed, but it's like, all right, that's the smart choice. Um, and there's just so many receivers on this team. It's just like, God, there's so many. Um, and then Matthew Matten and Ariana Washington were the female, male and female track and field freshman of the year. So... Oregon once again showing that we're a track and field school more than anything else. Yep. Um, and then head coach Robert Johnson won Pac-12 Women's Coach of the Year. Why is it that there's like a women's track and field coach and a men's track and field coach? I I might be mistaken about this, but I don't think that every program has the same coach for the men's and women's team. That's just like a total guess. I might be wrong on that, but what I'm guessing is Oregon's kind of an anomaly where Robert Johnson coaches both of them. Um, and other programs have, so let's see, like Pac-12 men's coach of the year track. Let's see who won it. Uh, no, I don't want basketball. I don't want swimming. There's the news. Uh, Greg Met- Metcalf. Uh Um, All right, so Washington's Greg Metcalf was voted Pac-12 Men's Coach of the Year. So let's go Google Washington track and field. Because my reasoning is, like, it's the same events. Yeah. So why is it just not one coach? Why aren't they just trained together? Like, I get women's and men's bodies are just fundamentally different when you get to that high level of competition, but it's like... Mm-hmm. It's the same events. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I'm on there. I'm on the the Washington page right now, looking at this guy, head coach, thirteen years, led the women's cross country team, men's track and field. Yeah, I I don't have a good answer why why there's a men's and women's award. It should be all the same weird such are the mysteries of life mysteries of the universe but um yeah oregon swept the pac-12 meet again uh it's happened every year now since 2009 so death taxes and oregon track and field winning conference championships yeah oregon track and field kicking your asses um and then golf 
uh, took second at the NCAA Tucson Regional and is uh, going to the national championship, which is actually taking place at the Eugene Country Club. What are the odds? Is there, a, uh, is there such a thing as home course advantage in golf? I'd like to think so. You don't have I to mean, travel and everything. They probably played that course a ton. Yeah. I mean, hell, you could probably just sleep in your own bed the night before the, the round. Oh, yeah. That's got to sure. be nice. Yeah. Um, so, you made, on a couple uh, articles you wrote, uh, you wrote about Oregon, track and, uh, Oregon football maybe falling behind in terms of recruiting. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Because I feel that Mark Helfrick and uh, and the bunch, if they had a TV show, they'd be Mark Helfrick and the bunch, have put a huge emphasis on recruiting, like more so than I think any other coach. So why would Oregon be falling behind in recruiting? Yeah, so I was reading, um, I was reading an article today. It was over on the Oregonian, and. Mm-hmm. So Oregon has there's only Oregon has two commitments in the class of 2017, and you know signing days were, were still a ways away. Um, a guy uh, a guy from 24/7 Sports named Barton Simmons, he wrote an article and he said that the Ducks are quote running late, and he said that even by Pac-12 standards. Oregon can be somewhat deliberate on the recruiting trail, but two commits heading into the summer isn't going to cut it. More disappointing for Oregon is that the Ducks lost the quarterback they were really excited about, Ryan Kelly, who committed to Arizona State. Um, so, you know, it, I, in the recruiting kind of roundups that I've been reading, it's like there's a whole bunch of offers left and right. They're They're throwing the bait out there, but they're not getting any nibbles. They're not getting any bites. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't follow, I don't follow recruiting too closely, but I do follow it enough that I know that two recruits heading into the summer is not good. Yeah. I don't follow recruiting at all. I think it's a little ridiculous that how much money goes around and how many people care about what high schoolers think. Yeah, I've I've always kind of stayed away from it. I think that I think it's kind of it's really just honestly to put it bluntly, it's kind of sad and pathetic that there's this much news around it. Yeah, it's like these are kids making decisions on where they're going to go to school, and of course, like it's you know, of course, it's sports driven. It's you know, yeah, they're going to school to get an education or whatever, but. They're not picking these schools. I mean, there might be, they, they might pick it a little bit off of the academics or the campus. I mean, obviously, you still got to be happy where you're going to school, right? Yeah. But it's also going to be, it like, they're going to whoever, they're going to school based on, like, where they're getting offered to go to school. Like, and probably who's, who's going to pay for their school? Yeah. And God knows what else is happening. A lot. <laughs> I'm sure the belly but, of the beast is... Uh... The, like we don't know where the rabbit hole ends. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that the, you know, I think when it was about seven, eight, nine years ago, when Oregon was starting to become like 
the really trendy school and the cool school, and they had the uniforms and they had the state-of-the-art facilities. Everyone's catching up with that now. Like everyone has, or at least everyone being, you know, all the major programs that can compete for a national championship have state-of-the-art uniforms or state-of-the-art facilities. Like it's 2016. It's not. It's not really that big of a deal anymore. It was a big deal back in like 2007, 2008 when, you know, it's like, oh, I can, I can watch game film in a jacuzzi. Sure, sign me up to go to school there. But, you know, you look at all the, all the, uh, just, I mean, you look at the, the landscape of college football now, and I, I think that's kind of a hunch of, that was always Oregon's kind of big, weapon in recruiting is look how trendy we are and look how cool we are and look at everything we have here. Yeah. But I think now it's like when they make that same claim, there's also 10 other schools behind them that can now make the exact same claim. Yeah. It's, I 100% agree. Um, and that's not even something I really considered that much. It's yeah. Like, as you pointed out, like the uniforms, like the innovation on the offense and everything. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Baylor is doing the coolest stuff on offense right now, although Art Briles might get fired, which is deservedly so if all this stuff is true. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so Baylor's doing a bunch of cool stuff. Like, Clemson's doing stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of all these other schools. Like, Ohio State is doing a, ton of tool, doing a ton of cool stuff, and it's like having, like, a really fast spread offense and all that craziness is not, like, the biggest sell. Every single school has like weird jerseys and everything now. Yeah, um, everything everything is caught up, you know. So it's like, I don't know. Oregon's got to find a a new way to. Because I think I think it was something that Scott Frost was talking about. Like, it is it's it is damn hard to get come kid to get kids to come to play in Eugene, Oregon. Like, lovely town. I will have memories of that college town for as long as I live. But if I'm a kid playing football and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting offers from places that are actually like super cool to live and where there's things to do. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to recruit for, you know, the kind of small sleepy college town of Eugene, unless you like find the right person who likes that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the big emphasis that, Helfrick is really going for is you're going for like the top dogs and everything, but Oregon does not have the luxury like a lot of uh, like Georgia, whose in-state recruiting is just unreal. Right. All the guys that come out of the state are just like next level and like Florida too. And there are so many hotbeds in that area there are so many high-quality players that are just so good that it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, you can get great players. Oregon does not have that luxury in-state. Um, and then in Southern California, they have to compete against UCLA and USC and, like, Cal and Stanford. And so, uh, basically, that just means that, like, Oregon can't be missing on kids. Yeah. Like, they get 25 scholarships, like, every recruiting class, whatever – People that through attrition over like four to five years, players will just leave. They'll decide football's not for them um, in college. They'll 
get injured. Um, they might have off the field issues, but it's like if you look at a ton of like the really good teams, it's just always there's just tons of depth. There's mm-hmm. just tons of guys who are there who have experience, um, and that's like the big difference. Is uh, it's just like experience across the board. So you can't be if you got like 25 guys, you can't be missing on like five of them because that's a whole fifth of your class. Yeah, you, which, like the Ducks have to like go in these places, and they're already they're already a step behind before they even start, and they have to go to these places and say like, "Hey, let's pluck you out of Los Angeles, or let's pluck you out of Georgia, and you know." come up here to sleepy sleepy Eugene in the Northwest and oh yeah and I don't think only having two guys drafted in the NFL draft helped at all yeah exactly because when like I mean these kids are thinking about their future too if they're like legitimately talented players who you know either want to play in the NFL or have realistic chances or dreams of playing in the NFL like you know, it's it's kind of like if you're a college basketball kid, are you gonna go play? And you want to play in the NBA, and you have an an offer from Oregon in one hand and Kentucky in the other. Where are you gonna go? You're gonna go to the NBA factory. You know, college football. You're you have an offer in hand from you know Florida State versus Oregon, and then you look at all the guys that are like. Ohio State, you know, look at all the guys that they pump in the NFL draft this year. And you're like, you know what? That, that seems like a good place for my future. Right, right. Um, so, all right, let's close with this. Um, Bruce Feldman, who's by far one of my, probably my go-to. Uh, him, Pat Forty, uh, are like two of the, the best national guys of college football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other guys where you're like, what about this guy? I'm like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. How did I forget that? Um, early top 25, Alabama number one, Florida State two, Clemson three, LSU four, Michigan five, TCU six, Oklahoma seven, Tennessee eight, Ohio State nine, Ole Miss ten. Number 11, which Pac-12 team? Um, I'm going to go Stanford. Yes, Stanford. Lucky guess. So... Man, why won't those guys start losing? How is that possible? They have the most ridiculous admission standards. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. I wonder how they get in. It just really bugs me. And they act like there's some fantastic... Like, uh, never mind. I'm getting just angry about stuff. <laughs> they, act, they act as if they don't have a list of classes that are just like pushover classes that athletes should be taking. They act yeah. like that doesn't exist. Uh... Baylor 12, Notre Dame 13, Houston 14, Michigan State 15. Guess who's number 16? I'm going to go with uh, Washington. Yes. Did you did you already look at this? I did not look at it, but I, I just heard in passing something about Stanford and Washington being ranked ahead of, of Oregon, and 11 sounded way too high for Washington. Yeah. So I'm just lucky today, so I'm going to go out and buy some lottery tickets while I'm on a roll. Yeah. So... Uh, Washington has the uh, Washington had the top defense in 2015. Okay, uh, did not look like it at all at times last uh, last year. Um, they beat USC partially because the USC's coach was literally drunk at the time. 
Um, and somehow beating Washington State is this huge accomplishment and upset. And yes, I know Oregon lost to, to Washington State. I'm not, I, if, I, if That was a supposed-to-win game. Um, Georgia 17, North Carolina. I think Georgia's going to be really good, by the way, for anybody who really falls in nationally. Uh, North Carolina 18, Washington State at 19. What is going on? Oh, my God. What is going on? Bruce. Bruce. Washington State was actually really good last year, though. They were a field goal away from beating Stanford. That's amazing. Um, Louisville 20. Guess who's 21? Oregon? USC. What the hell? What the hell? They just got so many recruits, though. That's what kills me. Number 22. Got our ducks. We snuck in there. <laughs> Are we just making this top twenty-five? Oh man, there's really there was really two Oregon teams last year. There was an Oregon team with uh, fantastic like fantastic quarterback play, and there was a Oregon team without fantastic quarterback play. And I those two. They were completely different. They both played offense differently. They both played defense differently. Special teams was different. I don't know what happened. Yeah, there were some dark days that year. Last year was just weird. Burn it with fire. <laughs> Kill with fire. And now, of course, people are like, fire Hilferick. Yep. We are one year removed from a national championship appearance. And we have fire Mark Hilferick, people. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um all right any closing comments um no closing comments um if you're around eugene this weekend oregon softball is hosting the uh ncaa regional at jane sanders stadium if you're a student they're giving away like 100 free tickets so show up early that's the thing to do cool kids do it Cool kids go to softball games. True. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. I'm Rusty. That's Sean. And we'll see you guys next time in Amsterdam. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.